Welcome to Navigating Love and Immigration. I'm your host, Megan Pastrana. Falling in love is exciting. Maintaining a healthy relationship takes work. And when you're going through an immigration process, you are faced with unique challenges. This podcast is for anyone in a cross-cultural relationship who finds themselves lost in the labyrinth of U.S. immigration. We will interview relationship experts, explore the stories of real couples, and provide important tips on starting the next chapter of your lives together. Welcome to this week's episode of Navigating Love and Immigration. So this is episode two titled Pick a Path. And so for our very first episode, I really focused on the mindset of navigating your immigration journey. And in this episode, I thought it would be very apropos to discuss really the various options that are available to couples who are just starting out in their immigration journey. For many couples, I like to say you probably feel like you're lost in a little bit of an alphabet soup. There are K-1 fiancé visas and CR-1 and IR-1 spouse visas. And with so many options, it can be overwhelming. And so in today's episode, I really want to break down the main paths that are available to couples and really some of those eligibility requirements as to whether or not it's a path that is available to you on your immigration journey. When I think about couples having to pick a path, I am reminded of the famous Yogi Berra quote, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. I don't know if you've ever heard that quote, but Yogi Berra is a famous baseball player and manager, and he's known for his yogiisms. And that's really one of my favorites. It's just so great. It, on, on its face, it seems a little nonsensical, but it is so exact for couples who have multiple paths available. I often see that there is a paralysis by analysis, uh, you know, and that's not a judgment. It's just an observation. It's just a reality that when you are overwhelmed and you have multiple options, it can cause some paralysis. You might feel a little stuck and confused about which path is the best. And if you ask, many couples, most people who've gone through an immigration process will have an opinion and they're happy to share that opinion with you. And those opinions can be helpful, but it can also cause more confusion. There are some individuals who will say, oh, you should definitely do the fiance visa. It's better. And there'll be some that'll say the same thing about the spouse visa. And so just as Yogi Berra says, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> At some point, you will have to make a decision. And it's really important to pick a path and get started because so many couples will tell me once they've gotten started in their immigration journey and once they've gotten to the finish line that the number one thing that they wish they would have done was get started sooner and, and just would have picked a path sooner. So as I mentioned in today's episode, I'd really like to break down the main options that are available to couples. Now, some couples will really only be able to pick one path. There's only one option available to them. And then for other couples, there might be two or three options. So it really just depends on your particular situation. But in today's episode, Pick a Path, we will go ahead and review those options. The first one is adjustment of status. Then there is a spouse visa option, a fiance visa option, and in some cases, a direct file option. So that's the order that we will, will go through these different options that are available. So let's start with adjustment of status. This option is by far the most popular option for couples. 
The reason that it's the most popular option is because adjustment of status is a process that can be, be completed while the couple is together in the United States. And also because it is a process that really combines both the petition, which is the part of the application where you prove your relationship to immigration, that you have a loving relationship, and it combines that with the green card application. So it's more consolidated and typically faster. But adjustment of status is not available to all couples. So who is eligible for adjustment of status? But individuals eligible for adjustment of status are individuals who are married to a United States citizen. So you have to be married to a United States citizen for adjustment of status to be an option. You also have to be currently in the United States and have entered the United States with a lawful status, some type of visa. Typically, we see individuals in the United States on some type of student visa, like an F1 or uh, an employment-based visa like an H-1B. Uh, there's a lot of different visas that an individual can have, but typically those are some of the common ones. And so an individual has to have entered the United States with some type of lawful status and be here in the United States. And also you have to be otherwise eligible is what the immigration website says, which which really means that Immigration has a long list under what's called the Immigration and Nationality Act, the INA. There's a long list of problems that a person can have, certain criminal history, certain prior immigration violations. And so you have to be eligible. You have to not have one of those problems on that long list. So in, in general, the adjustment of status, I can give a few examples of when this typically will would, would come up, when someone would be eligible. What we often see is that there will be someone who's here from another country, someone who's here in the United States from another country, and they're studying on a student visa, and they go through undergrad and graduate school, and they fall in love with someone here in the United States. And then they decide they'd like to get married. And so in that situation, adjustment of status is the typical path that that couple would take. Now, I want to mention there is a common rumor that you can come to the United States on a tourist visa or something called ESTA, which is a visa waiver program, that you can come to the United States to visit your significant other, whether it's a fiance or spouse, and that you can come here on that visa or on the visa waiver program and get married and stay here in the United States and file for adjustment of status. This is a really dense topic. But I want to make it clear because it's very important. I'm very um, dedicated to providing important and accurate information for couples. It's really important to me because there's a lot of false rumors out there that can cause couples to get caught in a lot of problems with immigration. And so I always like to make it known that you actually cannot come to the United States on a tourist visa or with that visa waiver program with the intent of getting married, staying in the United States and filing for adjustment of status. Again, that's a complicated topic that I will cover in a future podcast, but I did want to, to mention that. So that is option one, adjustment of status. And again, it's a, the, one of the most popular options because it consolidates, it combines all of the applications really into one. It's a process that happens here in the United States. And once that application is filed, 
then the next step in the process is you would receive your work permit and a travel authorization. And there would be an interview at a USCIS immigration office. And that would be where the immigration officer would be asking you questions as a couple about your relationship and also asking the immigrant beneficiary questions about their immigration history. All right. So that's option one, adjustment of status. Let's move on to option two, which is the uh, spouse visa. So the spouse visa is for individuals who are uh, married to a United States citizen or in some cases, a lawful permanent resident. And this is a process that takes place outside of the United States. Basically, it would take place typically in the country where the immigrant beneficiary is a citizen or, or where the immigrant beneficiary lives. Sometimes we have clients who have citizenship in multiple countries and happens to be living in one of those countries. And so there would be an option not to get into the weeds of all of that, but individuals who have citizenship in multiple countries would be able to complete the process in, in one of the countries where they have citizenship. And so the spouse visa process is a process, like I mentioned, that really, really is completed on, outside of the United States. Who is eligible for the spouse visa? That is anyone, like I said, who is married to a United States citizen or lawful permanent resident who is living outside of the United States. And again, I will say that who is immigration has on their list who is otherwise eligible. Someone who doesn't have one of those prior issues with criminal history or immigration violations or um, some other issue that makes them ineligible. There are some some things in a person's history that can make them ineligible and they can apply for a waiver. And there are some things that make them permanently ineligible, which means they would never be able to receive an immigrant visa or the ability to come and live in the United States. So those are the eligibility requirements for the spouse visa. The way the process works is similar to adjustment of status, but with the spouse visa, it's broken up into phases. And the spouse visa has a very first step called a petition. That is the part of the application where you prove to immigration that you're legally married, that you had a legally binding marriage, and that you have a marriage that's based on on love and not just to receive an immigration uh, benefit. And that's what happens with, um, that's a requirement rather for all types of immigration cases for couples is you have to prove your relationship is real and that you have a, a bona fide relationship. And so that's that very first step, the petition. That is sent to an immigration office in the United States, and they will make a decision. That application will will move on to something called the National Visa Center, and they will collect a lot of um, other important documents, tax returns of the United States citizen or lawful permanent resident petitioner for the past three years, civil documents, marriage licenses, if there were prior marriages um, or if there were prior divorces, you know, divorce decrees, birth certificates, there's a whole list of civil documents and then a very long online application. And that happens with the National Visa Center phase. And then last, the last phase of the process is an, as an interview at a U.S. embassy or consulate abroad. And that's why we say that the process takes place outside of the United States, because that interview happens in a U.S. embassy or consulate and the immigrant beneficiaries country of residency or citizenship. And so that's that's a 30,000 feet view of the spouse visa process. It's really hard to give you 
all of the details of each one of these different case types for immigration. So I'm trying to just give you a very general overview of of who is eligible for these different options and and a very, like I said, a very broad overview of the process. All right. So that is the spouse visa. So let's move on to the fiance visa. So just as it sounds, it it is for individuals who are engaged, they're fiancés. And the fiancé visa process is a great option for couples. Historically, it's been a faster option than the spouse visa. And that's one of the places where couples come to a fork in the road and, and have to take it. So a lot of couples who are not yet married, they're engaged at the beginning of, of their immigration case, are typically considering whether or not they should file for a fiancé visa or whether they should get married and file for the spouse visa. That really will depend on a lot of different factors, including the country of citizenship or origin of the immigrant, because there can be different wait times. But typically, couples who choose the fiancé visa path choose the fiancé visa because It's It's an option for individuals who know that they do want to get married, but maybe aren't quite ready to get married. And part of that fiancé visa process, the fiancé would enter the United States on a fiancé visa, and it gives that immigrant beneficiary an opportunity to live here in the United States, for you to live together as a couple and really get acclimated. That's a lot, a lot of changes for a couple. It's exciting. It's a new chapter. You're going to be starting your lives together. But for the immigrant beneficiary, that's happening in another country. You're getting used to probably for most couples, you're getting used to living together and really just making sure that, you know, everybody is comfortable. And the fiance visa is a great option to allow you to do that. You have to have the intent to get married. And the idea is when you enter the United States on a fiance visa that you would get married in 90 days. But a lot of couples will choose that path because they know that they want the immigrant beneficiary to have an opportunity to come here, really get acclimated and make sure that it's the right decision to go ahead and and move forward with marriage. Because like all of the immigration processes, it's a long wait. Um, And so that's a big commitment to get married. And then if the immigrant beneficiary has never been able to come to the United States. So uh, that's just something that I wanted to mention about why I have seen couples choose that option. Of course, couples have that intention. You have that intention to get married. And another reason that couples choose the fiance visa is because historically, it has been faster for couples to be able to be together. Now, wait times and things in immigration are constantly in flux. And so that isn't always the case. But but historically, typically, that is why another reason couples have chosen the fiancé visa. So let's go over eligibility and a really quick overview of the process for the fiancé visa. The fiancé visa eligibility is the first uh, piece of eligibility is that you are an engaged to a United States citizen. So it has to be the petitioner, the person who is filing the fiancé visa for their immigrant beneficiary fiancé. That petitioner has to be a United States citizen he or she cannot be a lawful permanent resident. In some cases, uh, when we consult with couples, we might recommend filing for naturalization to become a citizen. So that is an option. But you have to be a United States citizen to be able to file a fiancé visa petition. You also have to, again, prove that you have a bona fide relationship, a relationship based on love, that you have an intention of getting married 
within 90 days of the immigrant beneficiary's entry to the United States on that fiancé visa, and that you're legally free to marry. So that means that if either of you have been previously married, that those prior marriages have ended and divorce, or in some um, sad situations that might have been ended in death. And so you have to show that, that there was a, an end to any prior relationships and that you're legally free to marry. You also have to show that you have met each other in person, that you've been in each other's physical presence in the two years prior to filing the application. You'd have to show all kinds of different proof, you know, plane tickets, proof that you were in the same place, that you were together, physically together um, within the two years prior to filing that application. And then again, like all immigration cases, you have to prove that you're otherwise eligible to receive that immigration benefit, uh, that you don't have certain immigration violations, criminal history or other issues under the Immigration and Nationality Act. So that's who is eligible for a fiancé visa. And another thing that I would like to mention about the fiancé visa is that in the fiancé visa cases, the petitioner's prior criminal history is also taken into consideration. And so immigration would be asking if there was any prior um, violations, criminal charges for battery or um, driving under the influence. So the U.S. citizen petitioner's criminal history is also something that comes into play in this application type. And the process for the fiancé visa, really, I, I like to break it down into uh, four different uh, steps. The first step is that petition where you prove to immigration you have a real relationship based on love and not just to receive an immigration benefit and that you meet all of those other eligibility requirements that you've met in person, um, that you're otherwise eligible, and that you're legally free uh, to marry. After you file that petition, then the next step is the uh, visa phase, the consular processing phase. So once that petition is approved, then you would go into, similar to the spouse visa, a national visa center process where you'd be collecting documents, um, financial information of the petitioner, and there would also be a consular interview at a U.S. embassy or consulate abroad, and that immigrant beneficiary's country of origin or citizenship. and. Once that consular interview is over, if the visa is approved, then the immigrant beneficiary would receive a, a visa and his or her passport to enter the United States and then would start the clock of the 90 days for the two of you to get married. So you have to get married in 90 days. Then on to step three, which is the green card application where you would be filing your application to be able to receive your green card or your lawful permanent residence in the United States. And then the very last step, step four, would be that immigration interview at a, a USCIS, United States Citizenship and Immigration Services office, and the state where both of you are living, the state in the United States. So you would have an interview, and at that interview, the immigration officer would ask you both questions about your relationship and questions about eligibility, you know, if there was prior criminal history and immigration, uh, prior immigration history. And so you can kind of see now that we're into the fiancé visa, how that adjustment of status case really combined all of that into one application and then the interview. And so that's another, so you can kind of see now how the the, the uh, fiancé visa process and the spouse visa process has more steps. It's a little more broken up. So that kind of helps you see things side by side. All right. So that was option three, the fiancé visa option. Now, the very last option is something called a direct file. So this used to be really popular 
something that we were able to use um, much more frequently. There used to be uh, USCIS immigration offices in other countries in the world. So a lot of times a petitioner and beneficiary will meet in another country. And so we've helped thousands of couples at Immigration for Couples. And we've had individuals who have um, met in other countries because the United States citizen had a job or was studying abroad or, um, you know, a million other reasons why you'd be abroad for a long period of time, or maybe had family in that country and, and was living in another country and and met someone and fell in love and then decided to start the process to be able to both for both for the couple to relocate to the United States. And there used to be immigration offices abroad that we could just file that application just like we would for almost similar to adjustment of status, but we could file it abroad and then the couple could come together to the United States in a, in a faster period of time. And it was, it was great. But unfortunately, um, in 2020 and, and pre 2020, all of those offices, they started closing all of those. So there still is a way to file direct file with a, a U.S. embassy or consulate. That's different than an immigration office. But there's still a way to file a direct file. And the benefit of a direct file is that, like I mentioned, it's a, a faster process and typically would allow the couple to, if they're in another country living together, relocate together in a faster period of time and receive that green card. Now, the direct file is only available to individuals who are both. So the, the petitioner and the beneficiary, or they're both living abroad in another country together. Typically, you've been uh, living abroad for more than six months in another country that you had a life established there and that, you know, that you were really living, uh, having a life and a residence in another country. And you have to also show that there is a reason that you're wanting to uh, relocate back to the United States. An, ex an exceptional circumstance is the term that is used. The standard used to be if you were both living together in another country and you decided you wanted to relocate to the United States, if there was an immigration office in that country, we could file. But now they've added this, you have to basically show an, an exceptional or an extreme or a unique circumstance as to why you should be eligible for direct file. So there is a, a general list. They have a few different things outlined on this list. Immigration has, has a list of things that they outline that of who could be eligible for a direct file. It's It's very vague and open-ended because they know that there are situations that they may have not contemplated that could fall under a unique circumstance that would make someone eligible. In general, there's an option for individuals who, you know, if you have been working abroad and then your company is going to quickly transfer you to the United States. Uh, so if you're working for a United States company in another country and then they want to transfer you back to the United States, we've helped individuals be able to prove that they should be eligible because of a position a job in the United States with short notice of relocation. Now, just because you are living in another country and you have that that notice of a job with, with a short-term uh, relocation, that doesn't mean that you're guaranteed. You have to guaranteed to be able to file this process of direct file for a faster process. Really, we have to make an argument to immigration about why this person deserves this, and we have to provide evidence of this position and really just outline what we call a legal brief as to why an individual should be able to receive this or a couple should be able to receive this benefit. 
Other things we have seen are serious medical issues that there's a, a surgery that needs to occur in the United States. And we've had a lot of other situations where we come up with, um, we don't invent them. We just use the circumstances that the couple has to, you know, be creative and, and make the argument that this should qualify for a direct file. So if a couple is able to um, be approved and to file for a direct file, really it's a condensed version. It's kind of like doing the adjustment of status process, and it all happens through the U.S. Embassy or Consulate Abroad. And we've had cases where we've been able to help someone receive their green card in less than three months and relocate to the United States. Sometimes it can take closer to six months to a year. It always depends. I know that's a famous attorney answer, especially in immigration. It really depends. But it's still a much faster process if approved than the other options that are available to couples. So that's a direct file. Uh, the direct file option, it's, it's I would say, a more rare option for couples. But we've definitely helped many couples to use this direct file option. So those are the four main options that are available to couples. And there are other unique aspects to all of these cases. Sometimes, as I had mentioned earlier, sometimes an individual might have a problem on that list from immigration under the Immigration and Nationality Act. Some individuals have problems that can be overcome through what we call a waiver. So some of these cases, you might have to file a waiver of forgiveness for certain things like overstaying a tourist visa, or maybe there was someone who had applied for a tourist visa and they weren't um, totally honest with why they were coming to the United States. And um, so there would be a fraud and misrepresentation. There's a lot of different issues that a person um, can have. And so some of those issues have waivers. Some things are what they call permanent bars. So individuals who would have a permanent bar, they would never be eligible to receive their green card. So it is really important to make sure you know, before you get started on your immigration journey, that you know whether or not you are eligible and whether or not you'll need a waiver. And then there's also special options for individuals who are in um, petitioning, who are in the United States uh, military. And then there's also options. We always like to reference individuals who have DACA. It's uh, really great. So the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals or the DREAMers. There's also um, options, too, for individuals that have DACA to um, be able to receive their green card if they are married to a United States citizen. And so there's some unique things that we, we do in situations for individuals who are married to someone from the military or uh, to someone who has DACA. Sometimes there's extra steps that we, can, that we need to take or, or um, some other benefits that are available to, the, to individuals in those situations. So I hope that was helpful. I know that it's an overwhelming process, immigration, and especially at the beginning of your journey, trying to pick a path. But just remember, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. It's really important that you are diligent. I think it's great to take time and really make sure you're eligible. I always encourage, not just because I am an immigration attorney, but I think it's really important to have an immigration attorney in your corner to make sure you are, that you know the options that are available, that you know you're eligible. And then once you do forward motion, pick a path, and then just move forward. I know a lot of couples will pick a path and then they feel like, oh, maybe I should have picked something else. All that matters is that you pick a path and one step in front of the other so you can get one day closer to starting that next chapter of your lives together. So I hope that this 30,000 foot view of the, the options that are available to couples was helpful. Thank you so much for listening. 